Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Today's edition of the HoopBall Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code HoopBall20. That'll get you 20% off your order plus free shipping. You can grab their, grab their lawnmower 3.0 with their cutting-edge ceramic blade that helps reduce accidents. They've got Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, uh, so you can take a longer shave. You could use it in the shower. It's got an LED light. It's an awesome device that you can get for 20% off and with free shipping by using the promo code HOOPBALL20. So head over right now, manscaped.com, and use the promo code HOOPBALL20. And we welcome you in here to the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by HoopBall and the HoopBall Podcast Network. We are your hosts, Damian Barling, along with Joe Adge. We are so happy that you have made us a part of your Sacramento Kings coverage. There's plenty to talk about here today, and we want to welcome everybody who supports the podcast. We want to thank everybody who supports the podcast. We want to welcome everybody new to the podcast. If you dig what you're listening to, uh, leave us a rating and a review over particularly on Apple Podcasts. It goes a very, very long way on the Apple Podcast platform. Uh, just hit the five stars. You could do it right here while we're talking. You don't have to close the podcast. You don't have to close the app. You could just head back to where you started downloading us. You'll see five stars. Hit the fifth one if you're thankful worth it. If not, we'll win you over in time, man. I promise. It was quite an eventful last episode, Jill, of, of the Sacramento Kings podcast as we were <laughs> getting ready to give our thoughts on why Sasha Gupta was about to be the Sacramento Kings general manager. And as we were talking, of course, Monty McNair uh, named the general manager, uh, and he spoke today. Before, And we have we have plenty of sound to play for you uh, in case you missed it. Uh, we'll bring you all of the good stuff. There is some – I don't know that there's newsworthy stuff in there, but there certainly is some noteworthy stuff in there. What stood out in Monty McNair's 17 or so minute press conference today? Um, I think the – well, besides the obvious Walton, and we'll get into that, but um, – the amount of times he used the words uh, aggressive and mm-hmm. flexibility stood out to me. And I think that makes a lot of sense because I know, like he mentioned, he went into Houston when they were trans- transitioning from their Yao Ming and Tracy McGrady uh, era. And the way they were able to rebuild with one James Harden was by maintaining, by being aggressive, one, mm-hmm. Uh, they took on some bad contracts that got them first-round picks. It kept them flexible so that when a what they viewed as a star player, which they turned out to be correct, whether you like Harden or not, the guy's a star in this league. Oh, for um, sure. When he became available, they then had the assets to go pounce on it. And to me, that's a lot of what he was saying today was, he said, first, obviously, we have talent. But it's maximizing and uh, utilizing your talent, whether that be via trade, free agency, draft. Like it sounds like he has a very good idea 
of, and he did it. And them being able to be flexible and make those moves in Houston allowed them to, they're on an eight year playoff streak. I mean, so he, he was a guy that came in where he was able to see a team rebuild itself and, and how it was done successfully and how to sustain it. So, I mean, one can only hope that, you know, that yeah. that could happen here. Um, I do think he has probably more talent on this team than they had at that time in Houston when they were going into their, you know, new rebuild. Um, and he mentioned, you know, it's good we have all our draft picks and things like that. So, barring, you know, Fox, I I would not be shocked at anything at this point that happens um, from here forward, no matter what he says about the current players. Um, I, I think he made it very clear that being aggressive and being flexible and knowing when to, to pounce on a guy or particular moves when you can best utilize them, you know, that's, that's going to happen. So here's Monty McNair, uh, on the Kings roster. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of talent on this roster, um, and a lot of versatility, um, and I, I'm really excited to, uh, you know, to work with, with Coach Walton on what we can improve, uh, which, you know, I think we're aligned on uh, as far as competing hard and, and starting to build those winning habits like I talked about. Uh, and there's a lot of talent here that we can work with. Okay, he, he said that a couple of times. One other, one other clip I want to play because it ties into uh, a lot of things that you just said in, a, in, a, in our current topic. Yeah, here. I think there's, uh, this team showed some flashes last year. Um, you know, I think De'Aaron, is uh, certainly a great young talent, uh, and I think his his speed uh, and ability offensively to create really uh, is going to be a huge catalyst for for how Coach Coach Walton and I uh, envision this team being up tempo, uh, creating the space to uh, shoot threes and attack the rim, and uh, you know I think uh, we're excited to get going on that. Shoot threes, attack the rim. And I, I, I got to be honest, I, I recorded this to air uh, with Kenny Carraway and I on ESPN 1320 today. And it started at 1130. Our show starts at 12. So it was kind of a frantic pace of paying attention to the question. Monty McNair is a no-nonsense guy. He did not come, again, I mentioned at the beginning, it, it was a 17-minute press conference. He did not come here to hear himself talk. He is not a guy who's going to put himself out there and put himself in front of the media regularly. It looked like he would rather be anywhere else in the world than in front of that podium speaking to us. So I, but, but, but I, I missed that line until I aired it on the show and like my ears parked up like, Oh, did somebody say tempo? And I feel <laughs> like that's a line Kings fans love so much because of what we saw, I guess, going on two years ago now with, with, uh, with Dave Yeager in that first stretch of, of that 2018, 19 campaign. Yes. And what I will say about him is, I know we've mentioned this before, is he's one where admittedly he has said the last couple of years more than anything else, he's kind of been that go-between guy between the front office and the coaching staff and how to use analytics and how to use, you know, talking with the coaches and the players and how can we marry analytics and and the eye test to – to maybe describe what, what they're kind of seeing or to uh, point things out that, you know, a, a coach or a player might not even realize. Um, he mentioned where their analytics um, showed that, obviously he was talking about Harden, but he said players in Houston um, 
where normally ISO is not great, but they showed certain players where, you know, conventional analytics, obviously you're not going to go that route, but hey, this one, it's showing his analytics that this is his strong suit. Mm -hmm. So how can we set the four other guys around this or maybe create some plays that would utilize this guy's strength and put him in his best opportunity, not necessarily trying to force something that doesn't work on them, which I think some of us were kind of frustrated last year was we felt players were being and I get because you're trying to develop them, but some of these older guys, to me, if it's not there, it's not necessarily, it might just not be there for that person. They just might not be that kind of player. So if you can utilize their best strengths without having it hurt you, it's one thing if they can be average on it, but when you see continuous turnovers and things like that, because you're trying to force you know, a, a square peg in a round hole, like it's it, all it is doing is, is hurting your team. Um, so to me, he kind of talked about playing to player strengths. And we saw one of the reasons I think he did say what he said about Walton is it was very clear was we're keeping with him this year. Didn't say future, didn't say anything like that. I, I won't be surprised if he's let go. I won't be surprised if he's here. Honestly, I think he was, he was pretty honest about that. Hold that um, thought. Hold that train of thought okay. right there. Here is exactly what Monty McNair said about Luke Walton. Yeah, uh, we didn't have a prior relationship, but we had some uh, some mutual friends. And so as I've gotten to know him the last uh, few days, we've had some good conversations. Uh, I've heard great things. And, and so far, I think we've had, uh, you know, a great rapport. Um, yeah, Luke, Luke's going to be our coach next year. I'm really excited to, to work with him. Uh, and I think we're aligned on our vision. and We're going to start implementing it very specific time frame there in that remark from Monty McNair. Right. And my thought process on this, if you're truly coming in and evaluating because you're kind of coming in at a, a crazy time right now, if you come in knowing, okay, the first half of the season, we're just going to be straight evaluating what we have, right? That prior to making any trades, prior, unless it's a, I cannot turn this down, which who knows it could happen, but similar to what Minnesota did this last year. They, they created their front office. They kept the coaching staff. Trade deadline, there were two players left. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they used, you know, and, that's, and th that's a guy coming from, two guys coming from Houston. But, and, and you're seeing, you just saw in Chicago where new, you know, new head of basketball ops. Um, but the difference to me was, their players were already very vocal about not wanting to play for, for Boylan. Like it was right. Trade yeah. us he if you're not in the locker room. We're not, yeah. we're not seeing that here. So I think this place gives out four year contracts to coaches. Like you give out sliced bread, like it's, it's continuous. So to I'm me, I'm hoping to get one. If you're using this as an evaluation yeah, and you don't know exactly what you're working with, how does getting rid of your coach and bringing a new one in when you still don't even know what your roster is going to be or, or if you still kind of want to play around and see what fest, best fits these guys and who you're going to end up being maybe your core going forward, signing another guy to a four-year deal doesn't necessarily make sense to me either. If, I if you're bringing in a guy and you could then you know change up your, your roster come trade deadline. It's, 
and, and you, I'm not a huge Luke fan, but I can see if that's where they're coming from. I can see where that would make sense. I, I'm okay with this. I'm not a big Luke Walton fan because I, I just don't believe he's a good coach. But I also believe that there is a terrible, no matter how it's been tried, how, how water carriers over the last few years have tried to shape it. Like this is not the most functional NBA environment, you know, uh, imaginable. And so I don't know how the situation with the front office and the situation with ownership and whether it's ownership meddling or, or whatever it is, I don't know how that has affected Luke Walton's ability to do his job. But one thing that we've learned about Monty McNair, Jill, and one thing that we've learned in the very limited stuff that we've been able to learn about Monty McNair and his time in Houston is that he works closely with coaching staffs. And he just said it there in, I think, both of those clips that we played for you. He said, We're, I'm, I'm go, you know, Luke and I are going to get together. We're going to uh, figure out, you know, uh, what works best. And uh, we're both in agreement on tempo and threes and penetrating to the basket and all sorts of stuff. And my thing with, my, my thing with Luke is, in, in, in Monty's approach is, if this is an honest assessment of Luke Walton, I'm completely fine with it. Because it's going to either be Luke Walton wins the job a job that he has secured for the next three years, but right. he's either going to, you know, or went over his new general manager and he's going to be the coach, you know, the following year and hopefully the following year after that and the following year after that. And that's successful for everybody, including Monty McNair. Um, but if it's a, well, we've got three years left on his deal. We can't really throw out another four year contract. If it's that, then I kind of look at it like, Dude, if it's really just a just wait till the water runs dry, just rip the freaking bandaid off, man. Right. But but you're I mean, I think your point is is accurate is how can you assess the roster? Like you're assessing everything if you're Monty McNair all at once. And yeah. that in, that include you may go out there and you go, "Man, this roster is crap. I have got to fix this roster." It doesn't fall much on Luke Walton. But if you go out there and you evaluate the roster in a completely different way and the team isn't performing the way that you believe that it should, or you're not deadline. There it is. Like exactly like that. That's, that's it. Like you, you, you're going to be able to pinpoint Monty's going to be able to pinpoint where the flaws are, whether it's roster flaws or whether it's coaching flaws. And I'm all for it. Like I'm all for waiting. My only issue when I was, you know, advocating or not kind of, kind of advocating, which is terrible for Luke Walton's firing is if you're not going to give him a genuine opportunity to do it, then don't do it at all. But if this is a real chance for him to, Hey, yeah, let's, let's do something. Let me show you what I could do with buddy. And I don't, I don't know what the relationship is with buddy and Luke, but I feel like from an outsider's perspective, outsiders ish perspective, I feel like it's something that probably needs to be to a certain degree, maybe not repaired, maybe, maybe touched up a little bit. A little, maybe, maybe a little, little cosmetic work here done on that relationship. Agree. And, and who, and I mean, and honestly, we have no idea what, what Buddy's feeling at this point. I mean, Monty mentioned talking with Fox and Bogey. I, did he talk about, did he say he talked with Buddy? I know no, he talked not about that, not that I'm aware of. I, I didn't but I don't know, know if no. anyone actually asked that. I'd be curious what those conversations have have been like, because I mean that that could play huge. Whether if he ends up asking for a trade, doesn't ask for a trade, because at the end of the year, you, you did not know where. I mean, 
it did not seem like he wanted to be here yeah. next year. Right. Whether that's changed or not, I don't know. Whether Monty says, I don't care, you're here. We gave you it like they gave you a deal. And I think I can utilize you, you know, yeah. to your strengths and get you back, you know, to where you were. Because my thing too was Buddy's numbers weren't horrible last year. I don't think he was used to his best abilities, but like he still was averaging over 20. I mean, wasn't necessarily efficient, but by all means, he still had not bad numbers. Sure. That's offensively though. And I think the biggest knock on him is, is defensively. And that's another issue that I kind of have with Luke Walton is I feel like, you know, I, and I, and I, you know, I was a part of the pick on buddy thing, but I also felt like buddy's mistakes defensively were noticeable, like to the naked eye, like if we're fans and we're not studying tape and you can make your watching the tape joke here, like if we're not doing that and we're just watching the game and it's like, damn, wait a minute, was buddy supposed to, Oh, that, that looked like it went terribly, terribly wrong. And then you see like a Harrison Barnes react, or you see a, uh, you know, name a veteran player, react in, 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 in talk to Buddy about something. Corey Joseph, I think, did it a couple of times in the bubble about getting on Buddy about where he was supposed to be defensively. But I felt like Nemanja Bielitsa was never held accountable for how crappy of a defender he is. But it, it, And it was always Buddy, and it was always Buddy losing minutes because he was bad. And maybe Buddy is that bad on defense, but it's hard for me to pinpoint Buddy being that awful on defense when very few others on the team. Exactly. 100%. 100%. You, and, and you have to treat them all the same at that point. If people, and you've seen it in the playoffs here, you miss an assignment, Malone's, Malone is pulling, pulling guys out. Like, right. it's, no, it's you, you're in there doing what I'm telling you to do. And if you're not going to do it, then we next guy up. Like we have that. That was actually, and that wasn't, that was a, not an argument, but that was a discussion of a spirited discussion, if you will, that Kenny and I had on D'Lo and KC today. He was saying, well, if De'Aaron mixes, misses a defensive, cause we were talking about Luke Walton and Luke Walton holding players accountable. If you, if De'Aaron misses a, if De'Aaron misses a defensive assignment, but he's got 26, eight and 10, what are you going to do? Pull them out. It's like, yeah. Like if you're, if you're going to do that to buddy and you're going to do that to other players, you've got to do it to everybody because that's how, you know, another thing that here, I'll play another clip for you. It was one of the first remarks were made. It was, uh, it was coming off a question from James Ham, and, and I, and I remember like, what, what is your vision for this team? Here's what Monty McNair said. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, our goal is going to be to compete hard uh, and start building these winning habits. Um, we need to be more consistent. Uh, and going forward, we're, we're going to maintain our flexibility. Obviously, we want to compete for the playoffs, uh, but we know we have some work to do. And so my goal is to, uh, is to keep that flexibility and be aggressive whenever the time comes to improve the team. So we've, we've talked about, he said, flexibility twice in that very short, you know, 20-some-odd second clip. But, but what stood out to me was well, we've got to create winning habits. He didn't say we've got to create a 70-win basketball team or a 60-win basketball team. Or a he said we've got to create winning habits. And this is an organization. That is, and, and, it, and it's bled over into the fan base and it drives me crazy where we accept losing and we accept like, oh, close enough. And we accept like moral victories and small victories. And like, I think about, you know, th- there are media members who have pointed out, you know, even fans on Twitter are like, yeah, it's, it was really weird today to see a general manager sitting up on a podium and answering questions about basketball and it not feeling like a circus. 
It's like, man, we have really lowered the bar as to what we consider successful here in Sacramento. And I love that of all of the things that he said. And again, that was said probably within the first two minutes. I love the line about creating winning habits because if you're able to do that, it trickles down. You know, he's able to establish, a, you know, we all, he used the word habits. People like to use the word culture. Right. Man, if that trickles down to the Luke Watt, now it trickles down to the players. Now all of a sudden, because if I'm buddy, honest to goodness, if I'm buddy, why am I buying into anything that's happening here? In, in, in the oddest twi- twist of events is I feel like I've defended Buddy Heald since noon today, which is so odd. But if I'm Buddy, like why you're holding me defensively accountable, but you don't hold the monument uh, defensively accountable. You're holding, you know, you're holding me accountable. You're cutting my minutes because I miss shots, but you don't, you know, bench Harrison Barnes or you don't bench, you know, whoever you're content. Why should I buy into anything that's here that's happening here in Sacramento? Right. Especially when the year before you, you allowed, a lot of the players to be very vocal and what they felt should happen with a coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then the new one comes on and it's like, well, wait a second. You, you let me make these, you let me help make these decisions. Now right. it's all of a sudden like, Oh, now it's coming back to me. Yeah. Um, th- there, there has been no, no sus- stability or accountability. Mm-hmm. And, and I think even with fans too, it's, it's hard where, for for being, you know, the, it's not a one-town team anymore, but for so long and, you know, we always want to say it's what's on the front of the jersey, not the back. But, I mean, every, every well, in fan base, like, we get attached to people. Like, you, yeah. you say you love Sacramento and you say and do all these things like, oh, my gosh, we love you. And, and you see people go at each other on social media when, when someone criticizes someone or points something out. How dare you go at this player? How dare you say something about this one? Or mm-hmm. how could you talk about trading this one? Like, it, it's, it's got and it's such a player's game the way this league is right now that it's like what you're you're saying too um when players think that they're being held accountable but not anybody else necessarily yeah. around you like respect is 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 out is gone whether whether it's deserved not deserved you know it's and it like you said, it's not like everybody on this team was all, you know, a great defender and it's just Buddy was like the, the, the odd liar. And that's the thing is these players don't individually have to be great defenders. Mm-hmm. It's can you do it as a team? Everybody doing their piece that they need to do to make you a good defensive team as a unit. I feel like this is morphing into the Buddy Healed podcast because I actually have another <laughs> point. I have another point to make on Buddy Healed, but I want to remind you that uh, my bookie is up and running right now with the NBA playoffs happening. We've got football going on. We've got Thursday night football coming up. We record this on a Wednesday. We've got the juggernaut that is Gardner Minshew versus Ryan Fitzpatrick. That is your Thursday night football matchup. If that doesn't get you excited for week three, I don't know what does. Maybe my bookie will. With my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win. They pay. They have up-to-the-minute odds, both on your favorite teams in the NFL and the NBA. If you want to bet on the closing week of the Major League Baseball season, that's risky, but it could be fun. Go to MyBookie. Uh, it's easy. Uh, you can sign up right now. Use the promo code HOOPBALL. They'll match your deposit 100%, plus they'll toss in a free $10 MLB future wager. Again, all you got to do there is enter the promo code HOOPBALL when signing up. That's uh, at MyBookie. And with MyBookie, the terms are super simple. You bet, you win, they pay. 
but he healed. He got paid uh, this past offseason. And, you know, you go back to that clip that we just played a moment ago of Monty McNair talking about pace, talking about pushing tempo, talking about getting open threes. And again, it was one of those situations where your ears perk up like, oh, threes, open threes. I'll push the ball. Threes. Oh, you're immediately thinking of Houston, who shoots like 53s a game. Who would be great at shooting 53s a game if you put him in the right spot? It would be Buddy Heald. And I wonder if Monty goes to Luke Walton and says, hey, I've, I've just got a crazy idea. You know this guy won the three-point shootout, right? Like he, he, he is, by all-star standards, the best three-point shooter in the league. Hey, why don't you just post him up in one – not a figurative post-up, but like – or not a literal post-up, but like a figurative post-up. Just put him in one of those positions where the racks normally are. Run a play to pull his defender away from him. Bang. Can give him the ball. Give him like Duncan Robinson, like Miami does with Duncan Robinson, where literally all he has to go out there is catch and shoot threes. Like, exactly. That's his job. Everybody knows that's what he does, and yet he still does it, and he does it effectively. And there's and no way. they are still able to, to do what they do. I absolutely refuse to believe Buddy Heald would be anything but successful in that situation. And I could stretch it a little bit and believe it. If I said, I don't believe he'd be anything but super successful in that situation because he has his off nights like everybody else, but I feel like his off nights are created more when he tries to create. And we've talked about this on a number of occasions, Joe, where he, he idolizes Kobe Bryant. He, you know, he wants to be the James Harden guy. He wants to be the guy like LeBron. He wants to be the guy who creates his own shot and does all of that stuff instead of maximizing that skill that he has, instead of maximizing his ability to be potentially. I often use the, it's, it's the easiest comparison in the world. I'm not comparing them as shooters. I'm comparing them as their ability. We all know the famous stats when Klay Thompson dribbles. Klay Thompson doesn't dribble. He makes more threes. Okay. But he healed. Stop dribbling. Stop trying to create the play. Stop trying to be De'Aaron Fox. Stop trying to be the point guard. Stop trying to be a creator. Find a spot. Luke, run a play to get the man open and let him catch and shoot. Right. And Ben McLemore is by no means Buddy healed, but Houston is the first team to actually utilize Ben McLemore with what he was good at, shooting mm-hmm. the ball. Here, he was young, and I get that, and they – poor guy, people would target him and he'd get the multiple steals at a time and do all that kind of stuff. But how many different spots have you seen him at? And then finally Houston was just like, no, we just want you here and we just want you shooting. Like just, just shoot. And how many times it was around Harden, but still like, like he said today, multiple times, putting our players in the best position possible to maximize their talents. And you can probably say this about so many NBA players, Jill, but Ben was one of those guys who I remember in his pre-workout, I, I, I talked with a, a guy who worked him out in New York who was kind of training him. And he was like, he's really, really athletic. He just doesn't have a move. Like there's nothing you're afraid of. Like he's, at, he's an athlete. Like you know that when you see him, he's an athlete. He moves like an athlete. He does everything like an athlete. But on a basketball court, there's nothing that he does that you're like afraid of. And I thought, man, if, if you just find the, a coach who can just find, like, what is the best thing Ben McLemore does? And I don't know if it was 
Mike D'Antoni that found it, or, you, you know, I don't know if it was, you know, Monty McNair, uh, uh, Daryl Morey, or, you know, someone within the system who thought, you know where that guy will succeed? He'll succeed with Mike D'Antoni. If Mike can get him mid-range jump shots, if Mike can get him open threes, like Ben was always one of those guys. And in the point I was trying to make is in this long-winded way was, I feel like you can say this about so many NBA players. If they land in the right situation, they could have very long, productive careers. But so many of them land in situations where things may not be the best for them. Right. And this is one of the reasons that I've always been a huge Kenny Atkinson guy is he did it in Atlanta with players and he did it with the young Nets players. And yes, people are saying now, well, how come he's not being hired now? Because he is one of the best player development coaches there, there are in this league. And so whether that's as a lead assistant, as a coach, whether that's taking a young team to the brink of where they need to be and then putting someone who is maybe better at, at coaching guys when they've gotten to that talent level where they need to be, but he, everywhere he's gone, that's exactly what he's done with his players. Mm-hmm. It's, it's he figures out how to give them that to make them, to make them succeed. And you've, you've seen it. And I, we, yes, we do have talent. You know, we do have good guys on this staff. But we've yet to see necessarily that, that happen with, sure. with, with Buddy, whether it be Buddy himself or the coaching, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But if you – he mentioned later today, too, that um, they're talking about lead assistance right now. He's talking with Luke and, and the rest of the staff. He said he still has a lot to learn about the staff, but he's confident that he's going to be able to acquire a coaching talent to, to fill – to fit that need. I think if you're going to look at someone else like that to get another talent development – coach um if you're really in evaluation mode i i think that's another piece that you you do need for that reason fair to say De'Aaron fox and demarcus cousins are the two most talented sacramento kings to come through this city to, to 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 play for this organization in you know the better part of a decade certainly the two most talented to be drafted here in you know, over a decade. Is that fair? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've, I've in, in, in DeMarcus, I think DeMarcus has always been insanely talented and I feel the same about De'Aaron and I, this is going to come across like I'm completely diminishing everybody else. And (laughs) I, I, you can disagree and, and the dog can disagree with me too. Um, I don't feel like players here develop ever. And I know DeMarcus got better as the years went along, but I think that's a testament to how talented DeMarcus was. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, he had a monster jump from year one to year two, and I think maybe even got a a, a little bit better in year three. He was certainly good in year three as well. And I I wonder, like, who has, like, truly, truly developed? Like, who has developed in a Sacramento Kings uniform? And I don't know that De'Aaron developed. Yes, De'Aaron got better, but how much of that is attributed to the coaching staff and the front office and everybody that he's working with? DeMarcus Cousins, the same thing. How much can be attributed to the people that he's working with that, that really made him better? My point was I get frustrated when I see guys who so clearly are talented but can't seem to take that step here. Like whatever that figurative next step is, it never seems to be taken here. 100%, yes. 
Um, and whether that is front office changing, you know, like yeah. head well, this, coaches it's changing, the stability like, thing. So, because yeah. the first time to me, we really saw guys developing was with Malone and Chris Gent. And that's what Chris Gent did too. He, he, you saw it with Ben McLemore, he was getting there. And when, when Malone was fired and Gent was let go, they were saying that's one of the biggest mistakes it, it is losing that kind of those kind of pieces on, on your bench. Yeah. And obviously we're seeing it, but um, especially when we were, they were young at that time. Um, and this is my thing now is, is we were, you know, always giving the super team just young. Like these guys are not, they're not that young anymore, but minus Fox and Bagley, the rest of them are 26 to 28 years old. Yeah, they're like, not young they're at not, all. These like, are these guys, to be your prime years. Like, yeah, these guys, these guys come in the league at 20. If you're 26, you're approaching middle age. Like, come on. Like, right. <laughs> we're, not, we're not young anymore. Buddy's, I think, 35. Like, Buddy's, his, his age changes. Yes. I mean, yeah. So, it's, you're not a freshman coming out. It's, right. So, to me, it's to keep trying to necessarily turn these guys into to players that they're not. I mean, and you, like you saw JJ Redick from the beginning of his career to, to what he is so good at now and how, you know, he, he's evolved, but he found what he was really good at mm -hmm. and every team puts him in that position and utilizes what he's really good at. Like it's, you're seeing guys that, like you said, find that one move or whether it's your shot, whether it's ISO, whether, I mean, it's, or it's defense. Passing, like yeah. it's defense. Yes. Like it's, we, we just seem to not be able to put guys in those kind of positions and whether that's front office doesn't agree with coaching. I mean, it, who knows? Or players just saying, no, this is what I'm going to do. It, it goes know. back to the way we started the show and it's like the excitement over something normal happening. You know, it's the constant dysfunction that has engulfed this organization for, you know, Vivek's entire run as the owner and certainly in, in, in the years prior. This is a 14-year run, and I think, I think uh, Monty even addressed the fan base as well at his press conference today. Yeah, no, I, uh, I understand the, uh, the frustrations of, of all the loyal Kings fans. I've already seen and heard about their passion. Um, and, and I think we're aligned on that goal. I, I was fortunate enough to, to spend the last 13 years uh, in an organization where we were able to build those, those winning habits, that culture, where year in and year out we expected to be in the playoffs and, and compete for championships. Uh, my, goal's, my goal is to recreate that here. And uh, so we're going to be, you know, like I said, we're going to be flexible and just be ready whenever that opportunity arises to really uh, improve the team and, and get us back uh, into that consistent playoff hunt. Yeah, I went to Twitter and was added by some two, three, four, five thousand Kings fans recently. So I'm I'm aware of their passion for for their front office. Um, one more note as we start to wrap things up. I know Bogdan Bogdanovich is a free agent this uh, a restricted free agent this coming this coming summer. But is Marvin Bagley Monty's most important project next year? I think so. Just, just because he is your one other guy that is, that is Fox's age range. Yeah. And you, to come out of that draft, not being able to make that work would be 
dev- I mean, it would Brutal. be devastating. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. there's so much talent there. And so if you can't make that work, I'd. It's bad. That, yeah. Yeah. And it's not even Luca bad. It's like Jaron Jackson bad. It's uh, Trey Young bad. It's virtually like, everything surrounding him that's bad. And what it was so kings to me too, I was thinking about this the other day, is is how we were set, like if Michael Porter Jr. was not hurt, that, I mean, it's been said, I think, by all media here, that that would have been their guy. Had he not been hurt, like that would have been their guy. We took a guy, and I think he's played less games now. I mean, it's got to be pretty close. Yeah. Wow. It's like, how Kings Kings is that? Mm. Like, just yeah. think that, that, like that you literally could have done the opposite, and it would have amounted to the same amount of games at this point in the career, which no one never would have thought of. But that's kind of our luck here of how. So that goes. that's a great stat, but not to like burst any of my fellow media people's bubble. If Michael Porter Jr. was healthy, he wouldn't have been second. He would have been for oh yeah yeah Michael Michael Porter Jr. was the number one pick for like a like a year and a half, and then he and then he got injured and then there there started to be like concerns. He wasn't getting the a healthy Michael Porter Jr. wasn't getting the number two. The question would have been like what like would the would it have unfolded the same way? What is DeAndre Ayton is something or just taking him as two even with him hurt and it still being essentially the same outcome the same thing yeah as what you got. Right. I mean, if yeah. that was the reason you didn't take him because of injuries, like, yeah. granted, Marvin's have been totally freak injuries, but it's still crazy nonetheless that it's ended up. One line that I'll always say yeah. is you can't change a variable in the equation and expect the outcome to be the same. Michael Porter is in a structured situation in Denver. It's, it's the same. And honestly, it's the same thing with Luka. Luka yeah. Doncic is playing with Rick Carlisle in one of the top, three stable organizations in the entire league. You put Miami and San Antonio right up there at the top with him. I mean, that, that helps with some of our frustrating things that we were talking about earlier in terms of development. That helps. Right. Um, well, and then we had the kid come in and he's what, within the first, what, two months being thrown, his name is being thrown in the media as the reason why, you know, you want to get rid of coaches and all this stuff, like um, not, necessarily because of anything he did but you know what i mean like this is the kind of thing that that these young guys coming here have to deal with that they're being named being thrown out there by your own front office as as you know kind of like a scapegoat so i mean it's it's you it's no wonder why people don't necessarily come here trusting but bright spot monty like finally I love that he was saying that he has, you know, supposedly has the resources to go spend on whatever kind of front office, you know, that, that he's tending to build. But it was refreshing hearing the head of a front office say, I know where my weaknesses are. I'm not going to try and be anything I'm not. And I'm looking forward to putting talent around me to build that puzzle where we can all mesh together and, and it's cohesive and all these pieces are working together. I have my talents, you have your talents and, and it fits this one big, you know, puzzle board that will make it so that we have a little bit of everything that, 
you know, we're not having best friends because of trust. We're not having, you know, people turn us down because they feel like they're more qualified than you are. Like we legitimate, we have a guy running an office that people respect and, and he wants to, to put that talent around him. Yeah. So, I mean, to me that that's out of everything today, that was super refreshing to hear. Okay. I know I said one more thing, but okay, seriously, this time, just one more thing. Uh, Joe Dumars, uh, he was asked about, he being Monty Binaire was asked today about Joe's involvement with the basketball side of the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. Joe's going to, uh, assist Vivek in, in all, uh, aspects of the organization, business, basketball. Um, you know, I was hired to be the head of basketball operations. Uh, and that's what I'm going to do. But Joe's, Joe's been a, a great player on the court. He's been a general manager and he'll, he'll be a great resource for me. You good with that? Yeah, I mean, he answered it like he needed to answer it. I mean, it was pretty cut and dry. Like, he's here and he's doing his thing, but I was hired to be this guy, and I'm going to be that I, guy. I kind of, yeah, I very much got a, I know, like, this is a, I, the vibe I got was, I know you guys think this is a topic. It's not. It, this is 100%. this is not a topic in our organization. I get it's a topic for you, but this is, like, and I'm not going to diminish. That's, that's one thing that I really took away from that. I'm not going to diminish who Joe Dumars is. Yeah. And I will gladly use it as a resource if I want to. Yeah, I'm going to gladly use a guy who won an NBA championship <laughs> as a resource as I try to rebuild this organization. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think this was the best podcast we've ever done. Uh, I also think you're extraordinary uh, at this, and, and I'm so glad that we got to do this here uh, together. But now that we've got a front office, what are we going to do now? Like, are we just going to, like, fantasy book the rest of the – like, we've got – the draft, I think the combine's been set. Uh, the draft has been set. All we're waiting for is when the season's going to start. We still have assistant GMs. We still have assistant coaches. We still have um, whatever kind of draft, like Zoom processes they're going to be doing. Are you um, going to put together a list of assistant general managers? I have some, actually. Of course you do. Okay, save it. We, we need that for the next episode. We need, we need the assistant general manager edition of the Sacramento Pink Kings podcast. Yes, I, do, I do have some. And what he considers his, his I wouldn't even want to say blind spots or weaknesses, but by his own words, like I put together some player development um, scouting type, type names. Love Figuring it. that's where he says he's going to be searching. So. Well, we will bring that all to you next week. We appreciate you for tuning in. Again, if you dig what you listen to, make sure you follow Jill on social media as well, at Jill Adge. Uh, you can follow me at Damian Barling. Uh, check out d and KC uh, Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 p.m. on ESPN 1320. You can listen on your radio.com app anywhere in the world. Just search ESPN 1320 and hit the heart button. Make sure that you are locked in with us. And check out the rest of the podcast here on the Hoopball Podcast Network and on our Be Heard podcast platform. Just search Be Heard uh, in Apple podcast or whatever podcast app you use uh, to get your podcast. And they'll be right there for you. Jill, we'll do it again next week. Yes. Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.